You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. So last week, I started, or we, we started together, to venture out on a series that was titled, Better Together. We're better together. And that's, if you think about that concept, that, that, that kind of that uh, foundation, people are better together whether you're in the world or in the church, right? It's just something that's true. And, uh, but in the church, we found out that, that God designed the church to be better together, and I started out by laying three very foundational points. Uh, the first one being that growth should be expected in the church, right? A church should be growing. You shouldn't be surprised when a church is growing. That's how God designed it. In fact, the Bible says that God adds to the church. And then it talked about how we're supposed to go and bring people into the church. So we work together hand in hand with God. But not only did we learn that, we also laid the foundation that um, when growth comes, there are challenges. As people come in, there's different personalities, there's different uh, cultural backgrounds, there's different ethnicities, there's different uh, political affiliations, and all these different things, and that will make you have some challenges. That's just the, the way, part of life. But we also laid the foundation knowing that when those challenges come, when growth comes, it's actually an opportunity to serve and bring glory to God. So we should be, be expecting growth. In fact, everyone should be inviting people to see uh, to church so that they can find Christ and see what God can do in their life. Amen? And then those challenges will come when those things happen because they're going to come in and it, it, people bring different mindsets, all that stuff. But then everybody works together for the common good to bring glory to Christ. Now, today I want to talk about how diversity, diversity will make us better together. The reality is that every person in here is different, and that's good. I, am, I don't know what we would do if we had two of, of, of Donnie Baloo's in here. If we had two Donnie's, I don't know, what, what would we do? If we had two Betty Saunders, I don't know what we'd do. Everyone is unique. Everyone has, has, has something special about them. God designed the church to be diverse. He never wanted for the church to be one uh, faceted. And people have a way of, of desiring to, to have a, a, a one facet kind of lifestyle. We, we have trouble with change. We have, we have struggled with diversity. In fact, last week, uh, several people came to me and said, Pastor, this was just you and I. You were, you were talking right to me. Well, I'd never planned that. That was God in you. I'm just being faithful because he spoke to me first as I was putting it together. And so as, as we look at that, we, we, we see that, um, that we have a, a struggle with, with change. And we have a struggle with diversity. When, when, when people are different than us, don't we kind of, we, we, we struggle through that. And, and, and so what I want for us to grab a hold of is look in Scripture or look at Scripture and see that differences are actually a very good thing for us. They're a very good thing for the church when there's a lot of differences. I thank the Lord that we're different. 
As I look at all of you guys, you're all dressed differently. Some of you got the skinny jeans on. Some of you guys stay away from skinny jeans, please. <laughs> it just—it don't work. You don't believe? <laughs> you know, some of you got coats on. Some of you, it's just different, just differences, and, and that's a wonderful thing. And, and the Bible teaches us that God wants it that way. That He that He prepares it that way. Acts chapter—I'm sorry, First Corinthians chapter twelve. You look at that chapter, and it talks about the gifts. And it talks about uh, diversity. And I want to pray, and then we're going to read, we're going to read uh, verses 4 through, through 7 in, in, in 1 Corinthians 12. Let me pray. Father, thank you for every person here in second service. Thank you, Lord God, that you've brought us together, and, and, uh, and, and we're open for you to speak to us through your word. As I, I prepared a message, I pray that you give me the, 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 the ability to speak it very clearly. And in a way that's very understandable, Father, to every person here. And, and uh, I always say this, Holy Spirit, that you'll just uh, quicken my mind and my heart to the things that maybe I didn't prepare. And so that maybe someone needs that today. And, 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 and that they can be impacted for the glory of Christ. So we open up our hearts. We open up our minds and our understanding to your word. Because we know that your word is true. And it will guide us. It will be a light unto our feet. So we, we just pray for that to happen in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. So we start in, in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 7. It says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. Now you can see a pattern here. Different kinds of gifts, and the Holy Spirit is a giver of gifts. Different ways that we can serve the Lord, different ways of service, but then one Lord. You see the Spirit, and then you see the Son. The Lord, Jesus Christ. And then he's going to go on. He says, God works in different ways. Now he brings the Father. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is revealed to us in Scripture right there. God works in different ways. But it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can, say with me, help each other. So when we don't use the spiritual gift that's given to us, we are avoiding our, the ability for us to help one another. Notice the, notice the emphasis on different. Different kinds of gifts, different kinds of service, different ways that, that God works. But notice that the whole cause of these differences is to bring us into unity with God. He wants us to be different. Or else he wouldn't give us different gifts. He wants us to be different or else he wouldn't have us serve in different capacities. He wants us to glorify God in different ways. That way it doesn't get, uh, what's the word that I can use there? It doesn't get uh, where it's, uh, mundane or, or it doesn't just become something that's common. Church and walking with God should never be common. It should be exciting. It should be every day anticipating that the God of the universe, the creator and sustainer of life, is going to do something amazing in our lives, in the lives of other people. But he does not want us to think that everyone's going to be like us. So three points that I, that I put together uh, from, from this scripture. Point number one is God never intended that the church to be a cookie-cutter organization. 
Well, I really went deep intellectually to get that. I mean, Webster's don't have nothing on that. That's, that's Chinatown right there. God never intended for, for the church to be a cookie-cutter organization. The uniqueness of the church is that God made every person different. And he gifted us uniquely so that we can all bring our gifting together and make the church a glorious place. Each local church should model this fact. Every church, uh, uh, every church should have differences. They should have people that are, that, are, that are bringing in something that's not the same as, as what they already have. And, and that God is putting all this together and it's making it a beautiful, beautiful piece, a puzzle, so to speak. He's putting us together and making a glorious picture. So last week I talked to a, a visitor. She came from, uh, um, from up, upstate and uh, she's from the area, and she uh, comes to visit family and came to LWC, and, 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 she, and I spent some time talking to her after the service out there uh, right as you're at the exit doors. And she, she blessed me because she said some things that, that were, were, were uh, encouraging to, to the church here, encouraging things about you guys, encouraging things about what, what, what she perceives and what she sees when she comes. And she's been in church all her life. And she loves God. And, and, and she talked about diversity. And so I asked her mom to please email her. And, and have her email me uh, uh, what we talked about. And just to kind of put it in, 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 uh, in a really synopsis of, of the things we talked about. And so she wrote this to me she, uh, on email this week. She said, from sermons, mentors, and the opportunities to live in and visit places around the globe... My view on diversity is that it's the gospel. The church can be the best example of diversity or diversity on our planet. We are a room of people living by grace and living in community with each other based on redemption and grace. What Christ did on the cross knocks down comfortable ethnic and cultural barriers. It redeems messy parts and it trips up even those of us who work so hard to make it look like we've got it all together. So when Bible teaching churches reflect that Jesus is for white middle class families that have their stuff together. Now she is a white middle class family. She says we are missing out on what the gospel is and who it can reach. One of the most influential people in my life said to pray for diversity within church family and to be ready for God to put you outside of your comfort zone when you do. When I visit LWC, I praise God for how he has brought together all ages, all backgrounds, and a variety of cultures to serve each other and to reach your community and, our, and I hardly know anyone, she says, it's just what is perceived. Just what I see. I come and I, and I see the Bible, the Bible pages actually being expressed in the life of a congregation. She said diversity is, is, is the, the gospel. It's what it's all about. You know, the uniqueness of LWC and, and any other church, but I'm, I'm talking to us here because we're having church here. 
But the uniqueness of LWC is that we have people come from the tri-community, Oracle, Samuel, Mammoth. We have people come from all the Saddlebrooks. We have people come from the Copper Basin down there in, in Kearney and in, in Dudleyville and Aravaipa and, and, uh, and, and from Florence. And, and there's different cultures. There's different races. There's different economic status. There's different political affiliations. There's different genders. And the list goes on and on and on. But the common bond is that Christ makes us better together. You see, the, the gospel, a church should reflect their community and people in their community. And, and that means that, that there's different kinds of people in every community. And when the gospel is being preached, when the gospel is, being, is, is uh, infiltrating a, a, a location, there will be people from all different facets of society coming together. And there's a love for each other because Jesus dwells in us. The Bible says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether we're Jews or Gentiles, whether we're slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink, even so the body is not made up of one part, but it's made up of many. We've been immersed into Christ. We've been plunged into Christ. The spirit of Christ dwells in us. There is such a noticeable difference in the body of Christ. I put this on social media last night. It's the uniqueness of the gospel is that it reaches out to all people and every culture, not for the purpose of changing their personalities, their race, or their culture, but instead to transform their heart. God doesn't want to, if you're a Hispanic, God doesn't want to make you non-Hispanic. If you're, if you're white, God does not want to make you anti, he's not anti-white, he's not anti-Asian, he's, he's, he's for Christ. But what happens with people is we want to change people to be like us. And American missionaries have been notorious for that. They go into a different, different land, into different countries, and they want to bring an American gospel instead of bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let them receive Christ and let Christ raise them up just the way they are. God's people all over the world have a heart for Christ and a heart to serve alongside other Christ followers who may be different from them, but they know that they are better together. And when we serve together, beloved, when we serve together, you bring the gospel to life. When we say, I'm going to use the gifting God gave me, I don't care what that person, what his ethnicity, what the political affiliation is, what her uh, uh, background is you know jesus went to a woman that had been married five times the, the guy she was living she was living with they weren't married they were shacking up and the, and the disciples when they they went they never went through samaria they hated the samaritans john chapter 4 but he had to go through samaria the bible says why because he had a meeting with this woman and he wanted to reveal himself the Messiah, to change her life for the better. Amen. 
You see that uh, when we all come together from different backgrounds, from different uh, personalities, when we all come together for the cause of Christ, it shows people on the outside that this is real. Only God, only God can bring people from Saddlebrook. Only God can bring people from Florence. Only God can bring people from, from uh, the Copper Basin. Only God can bring people from the tri community. Bring us all together and we're solidified in the name of Jesus. You know, I see this worked out. I see the gospel at work when I watch professional athletes. At the end of the game, you see professional football players. You see professional basketball players. You see professional baseball players. At the end of the game, they'll all go and they'll take a knee. At the middle of the court, they'll take a knee in the middle of the field, and they will all go before God. And the differences that they have on the back of their, on their backs is their jerseys, but the unity that they all have together is that Jesus dwells in their hearts. And the important thing is not how many rings they have on their finger for championships, but if they have the love of God dwelling in their hearts, and if they are the bride of Christ. The Bible says there is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Those barriers, those walls. Now, he's not saying that, that if you're a Jew, you're not a Jew anymore. If you're a Greek, you're not a Greek anymore. He's not saying that if you're a female, you're not a female anymore. That you're not, If you're a male, you're not a male anymore. Yeah, he knows that we're, we're a male or a female. But what he's saying is that that doesn't identify us with Christ. You see, the women in the first century, they were abused. They were treated like second-class citizens. They were treated like third-class citizens. What he's telling them is now that you are in the kingdom, you are number one with me, just like everyone else. Our differences, our challenges, our opportunities for us to serve one another for the glory of Christ. Think about this. The differences that you're having right now. Think about that difference. You got, you got that, you don't know the difference. Everyone has them. We've got those differences that are coming at us, right? Huh? Stand up if you don't. Because I can call you a liar, liar, pants on fire. But those differences that we're having, don't you think that they're opportunities that God's saying, I'm going to work on you here? I'm going to work on you. I'm going to make you a better person. I'm going to make you better in Christ. And the way that you're going to do it is by working alongside and being better together. Pastor, how do I apply this? How do, what, what, how do I do this? It's easy. Number one, you embrace the reality that diversity is healthy. You embrace the reality that diversity is healthy. Revelation 7, verse 9 says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and all peoples and all language, languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. The vision of heaven tells us that there's going to be a multitude of people, and we're all going to be different, and praise the Savior of mankind for that. Embrace the reality that we're supposed to be different. Embrace the reality that when people walk in the door and they're not like you, that's okay. You know what you do? Hey, come have a seat by me. 
You embrace that. The second application is guard your heart from making external judgments. Guard your heart from making judgments on the outside. Look at the way they dress. Look at, man, that guy has so many piercings. That girl has so many tattoos, this and that. Can I tell you, God's more interested in their heart. And can I tell you, if you're judging them, he's really interested in yours. James put it like this. My dear friends, don't let public opinion influence how you live out our glorious Christ-originated faith. If a man enters your church wearing an expensive suit and a street person wearing rags comes in right after him and you say to the man in the suit, sit here, sir, this is the best seat in the house, and either ignore the street person or say, better sit here in the back row, haven't you segregated God's children and proved that you are judges who can't be trusted? God's church should have every facet of society represented, and what should stand out is our love for one another. We have got to be careful not to make surface judgments. And the reason the Bible says it is because it's very common. As people, we have the devil working, we have the flesh. We, it's very common for us to make judgments. So I, I prayed with a, with a young man right before service. He was flying out to Louisiana, and he came, and he, and he, and he said, Pastor, I want prayer. Uh, I said, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm staying in the faith. About a month ago, maybe, maybe I'm going to say two months ago, he came and he sat with me in my office. He's coming out of drugs, alcohol, and he said, uh, he said you know, Pastor, I want to get baptized. I'm, I'm giving my life to Jesus, and, and I, I started the CR program. God's just doing amazing things. And you know what I want to do? I want to have a small group. I want to get involved in a small group. And I want want to invite all my friends from CR because I don't know how to hang out with normal people. (laughs) I listened. I said, man, dude, that's a great idea. You know, have a small group. And and I said, but let me tell you something. I, I said, think about this. Let's just process this. Why don't you do a small group where there's all kinds of people there? Because I have a secret for you, dude. What's that, Pastor? There are no normal people, bro. There are no. Those normal people, when you're not with them, dude, they're falling short. And he said, yeah, because let me tell you what happened to me. That's why not even CR should be segregated. No, no ministry should be segregated. We all come together as a body. We love each other as a body. I said, bro, when I came to Christ, I was just like you. I was never hung around with people, but God brought me into people's lives, brought people into my life that I never thought I would ever hang out with. And can I tell you, they were the best thing for me. And you know who you are. So we have got to be very careful that we guard our hearts about making external judgments. Number, point number two, different gifts and abilities enable us to be better together. Look at your neighbor that's on your right and tell them you're gifted. Now look at the person on your left and tell them you're gifted to serve me. 
Now, if you're listening to the podcast, and, and I, I get this weekly, get emails or calls uh, that, that, that you're listening to the podcast, tell yourself, and you're probably driving when you, when you hear this, tell yourself, I'm gifted to serve others. And if you're in the live feed cafe right now, tell yourself, I'm blessed, and I'm gifted to serve in the church, and take a drink of your latte or your espresso right now. You see, the goal of Christ is for us to use the gifting of the Holy Spirit and to serve in different capacities to make the church a better place. Everyone has a part to play because everyone has a gift. And every person has a gift because everyone has a part to play. The Bible puts it like this. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every, on every part. The parts we mention and the parts that we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into exuberance. You know, in, in this Bible passage, the Bible explains the spiritual what we don't see through the physical what we do see. It's very simple for us to understand how important our bodies are, how, how important our body parts are to our lives. Amen? Amen? If you don't have your foot, you know that you don't have your foot. If you don't have your, 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 your arm, you know you don't have your arm. You know that it's important to you. If you don't have your hand, you know how important that is. And I was thinking about our mouth. Anyone ever think about your mouth? You know, your mouth is, is, is so important because without your mouth, we would never be able to speak. But that might be good. Without our mouth, we wouldn't be able to eat. We wouldn't be able to sing. We wouldn't be able to whistle. We wouldn't be able to produce saliva. How important is saliva to our body? It's very important. In fact, if I didn't have saliva, I'd be a dry preacher and you guys would be in trouble. But even in our mouth, there is diversity. For example, there are parts that are very necessary to the overall scope of our body, like our tongue. Everyone stick your tongue out. They're all different, by the way. Let me... <laughs> Without your tongue, you won't be able to pronounce words. Try to pronounce something without your tongue. Very difficult. You won't be able to enunciate words. You know, as a, as a, as a speaker, I have worked. When, I, when Pastor Bob... When I first came in to, to ministry, he said, Pastor, I want to, I want to, I think I, I, want, I want to preach, you know, but I'm scared, Pastor, I'm scared. And he said, well, first of all, we need to work on your enunciation. What is that, Pastor Bob? <laughs> and I had a massive lisp. It's a Reese lisp, you know, so I've had to work my tongue. I place it in, I place it in different places so I won't go suffering, fuck and then I give Isaac and Carrie, the, 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 that's a splash zone. Right? They're like this. Amen. Preach it. But with your tongue, think about it, you also taste. What good would it be to eat if you, never, if you could never taste the food? And, and then uh, uh, your tongue, you could also speak, you can speak blessings or you can speak curses. The Bible says there's a lot of power in our tongue. And then there's your teeth. 
And I looked at this. Your teeth help the digestive process. How would you like to eat a steak without teeth? I mean, someone in first service said, I, 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 I've done it before. I said, we're not talking about you being drunk, dude. When you were drunk at one time, you... we're talking logic here. Your teeth help the digestive process. Your jaw, it helps your jawbone to stay intact. So your teeth help it for you to be aligned the right way. Uh, your teeth are a confidence builder. How many of you know that with your teeth you feel confident? When you have a, a good smile, you just... When you don't, you're kind of like this, right? So your teeth build confidence, and, and, and then your smiles, how important are your smiles? They encourage people. They're good for your health. In fact, a cheerful heart, a, a smile will make your body feel better. If you frown all the time, you're going to feel horrible. So smile at me one time. Just smile. Show me your teeth. Beautiful. About 50% of you are very obedient. The rest of you, you need prayer. You need prayer or you need to go to the dentist. I don't know which one it is. So this is just a snippet of what's going on in your mouth. And, and when everything is working together, it makes your body better. So as we grab a hold of that, it tells us that's the natural. You can see it. You, you can't deny it. But God is telling us it's no different in the spiritual Every person that works with their God-given gifts will make the body of Christ a better place. If you're not using your gift, you're robbing us of being a better place. When you don't let the Lord work in you and through you, the Bible says God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Use them. The greatest thing we can do in the church is to offer, and I believe this, here's the thing, the greatest thing that Living Word Chapel could offer our communities is to have a service that honors God, that the presence of God is here, and that all of us offer our community the best service they could ever go to. When they come in here, that they'll go, man, I love being at church. I love what's going on there. That's the best thing we could offer them, and we'll never be able to offer it the best until everyone is doing something together. Are you with me? So the devil will work so that you don't do that. How do I apply this, Pastor? Number one, application number one, embrace God's gift. Paul told Timothy, he said, don't neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. In other words, we prayed for you. You wanted the gift. God wanted you to walk in the gift. Now you need to continue to exercise it. Let people see the progress that's happening. The second thing, your gift will always be found in your shape. I'm going to say this over and over and over. Your gift will always be found in your shape. That's spiritual gift. Everyone has one. Your heart, all of us have hearts that beat for different things. Everyone has different abilities. Everyone has a different personality. And everyone has different experiences. You put all these together and you'll see how God uses you. Amen? Number three, you make it a priority 
to take all the classes, 101, 201, 301, 401, but when you want to find your shape, you make it a priority to take class 301. If you're sitting here and you don't know your shape, don't ask your wife, and certainly don't ask your husband, because you'll be upset if they tell you the wrong answer. Well, it's kind of like this, honey. That's not the shape I'm talking about. The shape I'm talking about is finding out your spiritual gift, and you'll find that in class 301. Sign up and be a part of that. Point number three, don't let differences divide the church. Allow them to make you better together. Have you ever thought that maybe God is working through the different personalities or the different cultures or the different ideas to make you better? Have you ever thought about that, that people that come in and you're struggling with those individuals, you're struggling with, with maybe that, that situation that's going on in the church, it's different. Have you ever thought that God is working through that to make you a better person in Christ? To make you love more people? To love individuals that are different than you? Let me say this to you. You need to know this, that God has no problems getting the lost saved. He has no problem. He doesn't have... He, he saves the lost, but he allows us to play a part. How do I know that? There's a guy named Jonah. And God sent him to Nineveh. He said, no, Jonah, go to Nineveh. And, and Jonah said, all he's going to do is forgive those people. They're a bunch of drunk Ninevites, a bunch of party animals. They're bu- you know what? I don't even care about them. I'm not, I'm not going. That's how some of you guys say, I'm not doing this. I'm not <laughs> That's what Jonah did. And Jonah said, you know what? I'm going to get in a boat. I'm going to take off as far away from God as I can. And God said, I'm going to send a fish. And he swallowed up Jonah because the guys that they were, he was with said, hey, dude, there's something wrong with you. We're going to throw you over. Bad things are happening. And he got swallowed up by a fish. The fish took him limo, limo, limo service. Spit him out right there on the shores of Nineveh. Jonah comes out. Fish vomit, seaweeds, and says, God loves you and God has a plan for you. And they all came to Jesus. They all came to God. Amen? Jonah had a difference. Now, let's talk about this. Now, Jesus had no problem going to sinners and saving the lost. He'd go to tax collectors. He'd go to prostitutes. He'd go to zealots. He'd go to whoever. You know who had a problem with getting those people saved? The religious people. I'm going to tell you something, beloved. Don't get so religious that you have a problem with people that God's bringing in. The church that God wants to build and he will build is a church that everyone will get excited with whoever comes in the doors because we want for every person to come to Christ and be saved. So Peter goes out and first time he goes to Gentiles, non-Hebrews. Remember last week we we talked about how the, the first 
difference, the first problem in the church was because there was Greek speakers and Jewish speakers, and they were arguing against each other. Now, God slowly moves Peter out. He says, I want you to go into a Gentile home. He sends him to Cornelius' home, and he goes over there. God set it all up. The Holy Spirit had it all, all orchestrated. And he goes, and he begins to preach, and Peter just thinks he's preaching this great message. And as he's preaching, the Gentiles are listening. They're going, yeah. And so then he, they all get saved. They all start speaking in tongues and great things start happening. And Peter hasn't even given his invitation yet. That'll throw us preachers out, huh? God already had it all worked out. And so as that happens, Peter going back and he says, what keeps us from baptizing them? Let's baptize them in water. Baptizes all this house in Cornelius. And then he goes back all excited and thinking they're all going to be so pumped. Look at what God did. But look at what the Bible says. It says, the news traveled fast. And in no time, the leaders and friends back in Jerusalem, they heard about it. And they heard that the non-Jewish outsiders were now in. When Peter got back to Jerusalem, some of his old associates, concerned about circumcision, called him on the carpet. What do you think you're doing rubbing shoulders with that crowd, eating what is prohibited and ruining our good name? So Peter, starting from the beginning, he laid it out for them step by step. Hearing it all laid out like that, they quieted it down. And then as it sank in, they started praising God. It's really happened. God has broken through to the other nations and opened them up to life. You see, beloved, there will always always be diversity and with diversity when god is moving there will always be diversity there will always be challenges because people will rub you the wrong way but if you come under god's submission and under god's grace you will love them where they're at and let god do the rest i love the way that legendary basketball player michael jordan put it i don't even know what his faith affiliation i don't know what where he's at but he said this, he said, talent will win games, but teamwork and intelligence will win championships. Michael Jordan is, is believed to be the greatest basketball player to ever put on sneakers in the NBA. And he said, you know what? Our championships are not the result of my great talent. Our championships are a result of people coming together and working cohesively as a team. Let me tell you, he's nothing compared to the God that we serve. And the God that we serve says we, if we come together, if we love one another, and we let differences be minimal and let the kingdom of God be maximal. I don't even know if that's a word, but I like, like it. Maximum. Then God will move mightily in our lives. Pastor, how do I apply this? What do I do? What do I do? First, before we go to the application, let me tell you two things that are important before you leave today. Number one, that you have, a, you have an enemy of your soul. And that enemy of your soul is the enemy of the church. And his name is Satan. They also call him the devil. And he will work as hard as he can to keep you from using the gift that God gave you. He'll keep you busy doing all kinds of things. And he'll have you put God's work at the very bottom. 
And can I tell you something, beloved? When it's all said and done, whether you live 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years, it's going to go like this. And if you work for the earthly, earthly possessions, you'll take nothing with you. But if you submit to God's plan and you work for God's purposes, you'll take people with you and their souls by leading them to Jesus. Don't work for the things that in heaven are, are rubbish. For example, people say, you know, if I have more gold, if I have more possessions, more things. Can I tell you, you know, this might be symbolic because Revelation talks about the heaven and the, and the heavenly gates and the heavenly city. It talks about the streets being laid in gold. This right here will be nothing. But a person that will be there for eternity will be everything. So the devil will keep you from, from using your gift. And the devil, let me, let me have you understand this. The devil will work overtime to keep you magnifying differences. The older generation, the younger generation, and, and we used to do things this way, and it was so much better. And the younger generation, well, we don't want to do things this way. You know? And then the people come in different, different uh, ethnicities. Well, you know what? I don't know, I don't know if I like them. They're a little bit too dark, or I don't know, they're too light, all these different. The devil will work. That's him. He's working in your mind. He wants to get in your heart. He wants to drive a wedge. And the way that you overcome him is by hearing the thought of Christ. You know what? The Lord spoke to me just earlier today, and I know it was God. Sometimes I come up here and I think, you know, my words are not going to do any good. That's not God. The Lord had me quicken that, quicken it. I said, James, your words are my words. They do a lot of good. Pastor Bob, you're important to the body of Christ. I don't care how old you get, you're always going to be important to the body of Christ. We're never a has-been. We're never irrelevant. Doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. Let me tell you, the devil will try to steal you from God's purposes. And he'll tell you, this is better. And it's not. I see some of you young people, and my heart hurts because I know the pressures that you're going to have. God wants so much for you. He wants for you to thrive for his glory. How do we overcome it, Pastor? What's the application? Number one, you confess to God any prejudice that you may have. Pastor, I've never had a prejudice born in my body. That's a lie. Every one of us have prejudices. How do I know that? Every person has a prejudice because we have the flesh. We have the devil that's working. I lived in a town where you think everyone's going to love each other, a town of 4,000 people, small town. It was divided by the tracks. And Chinatown, where I grew up, and then the other side of town was called Faros Bravos. In English, though they're mean dogs. Dogs that'll bite you. These, there was a difference. 
Because anywhere that we, we are, prejudice will try to creep in. But the Bible says if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all our wickedness. Can I tell you, this wouldn't be in the Bible if we didn't have it. Prejudice will keep you from becoming what God wants you to be. Prejudice is rooted in pride. It will hinder you from being all you can be in God's church. It will keep you from becoming an active member in church because you'll never get past self, and you're always going to be looking at fault. You're always going to be looking at fault. You're always going to be coming back, and that's not God. You're looking at fault, 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 fault. That's not God. Every person, whether you're here at Living Word Chapel or at another place, if you're not going to become a member here, if you're not going to submit to God's purposes, you need to go someplace that you find where you're going to say, I'm going to submit to God. That's how God intended it. Number two is you confess to others any partiality that you may have, you may have uh, uh, held. Let me tell you what's been the... I, I love this man more than words can say. I love this man more than words can say. And the reason that I believe, in, and I believe this is, this, this is true, I believe we can say this with all confidence, the reason that we have been successful in a transition that doesn't happen in churches is because we've never allowed for partiality to ever come in and creep into this church. You see, Paul dealt with a church in Corinth that was full of problems. They, they, they thought they were spiritual, but they were full of problems. And the first thing he said is this. He said, let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Because some of you are saying, I'm a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I'm a follower of Apollos. Others are saying, I follow Peter or I follow only Christ. And he says, has Christ been divided into factions? Anytime that you say, well, I'm, uh, I like this pastor, and uh, oh, I like this pastor, I, I, I want to be a part of this pastor, I want to be, can I tell you, don't be a part of a pastor, be a part of Christ. When I leave here, if I leave here, if something was to happen, and that the Lord takes me home, or whatever God has, if I leave, can I tell you that there will be another person that will come, and if he's a God-loving, Bible-fearing, uh, 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 Bible-preaching, God-fearing individual, the church will thrive. Because it's not about me. It's not about him. It's about him. It's about that. It's about the cross. Partiality is the tool of the devil, and a healthy church will always guard against it. Anytime that someone says, you know, I, I don't want to hear him preach. I want to hear, hear this guy singing. I don't want to hear the girl singing. I, want, I like them. I like them. Partiality, that's a tool of the devil, and we will not let the devil into our house. We're not about celebrity preachers. We're about a one and only on the throne, and that's Jesus. The Bible says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. You know how important confessing your sins are? Hey, I, I say this all the time. One of the, let me say one thing before I say what, I'm, what I say all the time. It's getting tired. One of the greatest moments in our life 
my, my wife and I, a lady came to, to, to our house to, ch to talk to my wife, and she basically sat down, and she said, Sean, I want to tell you that I've, I've talked about you, and I've said things that don't honor you, and I want to I confess this to you, and I'll never do that again. The Lord built trust right there. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're man enough to talk about someone, be man enough to go tell them that you've talked about them. If you're woman enough to talk about someone, if you're talking about someone, be a woman of God enough to say, you know what, own up to it and say, you know what, I've said things about you. We don't do that. The body of Christ. Can, let me tell you why confess your sins one to another. People say, well, you don't have to confess to, you know, I'm not a Catholic. I don't got to go to a priest and confess. No, you confess to one another. You know why? Because then you admit it. God knows what you've done. God doesn't need for you to confess. But we do it because, it because there's power in confession. You're agreeing with him, Lord, I did it. That's what that is. But your confession to other people keeps you accountable. And it says that you're the real deal. There's power in honesty. There's power in confessing. The devil will take that power away when you talk about other people and when you're partial. You'll give the devil a black eye every time, every time you own up to what you've done and say, I fell short, but I'll never do it again. And God will give you the power to never do it again. I'm done. I'm tired. Let's go eat lunch. Let's pray. <clears throat> thank you, Lord. God, thank you for making me different than everyone else. Because this means that I'm special. I'm sorry for not realizing how diversity is actually a good thing and that diversity is a God thing. It really helps me to embrace that we're better together because each of our unique giftings are needed for the body of Christ to function like it should. Today I embrace the fact that you've called me to serve in the church so I put all prejudice aside and I rebuke all partiality so that I can come alongside others in your church and make it better together. Keep your heads bowed because I just really want to. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.